How are you all? Everybody good? I'm Pastor Jonathan Cole, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. I want to welcome those who are watching online with us. It's cool when your smartwatch goes off and says, great workout after you worship. It's like, I was like, wow, all right, man, just get it going there. So I burned some calories. Anyway, we're on a 30-week journey uh, called The Story, and it's a chronological study of the Bible. And in the past two weeks, we've been looking at Moses specifically, and we saw how God utilized him to free his people uh, from Egypt and slavery, get them to the promised land. And we know uh, that Moses did some incredible things, and as he was obedient to God, and we saw those miracles. And then uh, God... Uh, called him to lead those people so that they could worship. And last week we looked at how they gathered around Mount Sinai and they, they showed uh, how God brought forth the uh, Ten Commandments, the tabernacle. They learned how and continue to learn how to worship. And we remember that they were in Egypt for 400 years and so they needed to learn or unlearn a lot of stuff. Um, that they learned when they were schooled in Egypt. And now God is trying to teach them, to train them, and to help them relate to him. And so finally, they're ready to set off for Kadesh, which sits on the southern edge of the promised land. And we see it that the Lord, as we read through our Bible reading plan, the Lord it goes before them with a pillar of fire and a cloud uh, by day, pillar of fire by night. And it should have taken them, taken them weeks to get there, but they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. And so today we're looking at this road trip and why they wandered for so long. I don't know if you've ever heard these words. I, I suspect that probably 99.5% of us heard these words. Are we there yet? I know as a child I use these words. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And then I know as parents you heard those words. And maybe it was a little bit like this video. Let's check this out. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Not yet. Hey, are we there yet? Are we there yet? No! Are we there yet? Yes. Really? No! Are we there yet? No! Are we there yet? No, we are not! Are we there yet? No! Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Hey, that's, hey, not, that's not funny. Hey, that's really that's immature. That's really immature. See, this is why you nobody, why likes, nobody ogres. likes ogres. All right, you're All lost. All right, you're lost. I'm going to just stop talking. Finally. You know, I think Shrek and Fiona were like Moses. <laughs> heard this constantly, and he's, he's like hurting these cats, and over and over, three million, almost children uh, on this road trip, and there was a lot of complaining. Um, they complained about food, about a place, the place where they were traveling, and, and they're complaining to this driver, Moses, and I can't imagine as a leader, um, him hearing this, and God was continually, continually providing quail, uh, water, manna, as they walked across this, this terrain to get to the promised land. So let's look at this text together in Ro uh, Numbers uh, 11, 4 through 15. The rabble within began to, cra they began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If we only had meat to eat. 
We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, cucumbers, melons, link, leeks, onions, garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. And the people went around gathering it. And then the ground ground it in hand milk, crushed it into mortar. And they cooked it in a pot, made it into loaves. And it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. And Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tent. And the Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive these people? Did I give them birth? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised an oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for the, all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. And if this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me if I've found favor in your eyes and do not let my face my own ruin. You know, this, you could see the, the burden, the weight upon Moses. Man, this is serious stuff. This guy's under, like, depression. You know, complaining can be toxic. It doesn't sit well with God. Grumbling can lead to wandering or even irrational thoughts. It can also be contagious. It spreads. Like my wife said in her teacher classroom, she said an elementary kid has to go to the bathroom. Every kid in that classroom has to go to the bathroom. And it's the same way with complaining. It does spread. It stifles growth. At the same time, you know, when you... When you step back and you realize that God's doing something here on this journey and wants to get you to the promised land within weeks, but it took 40 years because they just didn't get it. I remember arriving at Maxwell Air Force Base for officer training school, and I learned a military expression there during my training, and because I did a lot of complaining, and the expression was, embrace the suck. I hated that training for a couple days. But then a switch turned on when one of my Air Force trainers said, Lieutenant Coleman, remember that you are being trained to become a United States Air Force officer. You need to accept that training. You need to embrace it. And it was like a light switch went off with me. And then all of a sudden I was like, show me that again, man. <laughs> show me that again. And it was, it was as if, I came to a conclusion and embraced that. And so I think these people just, just didn't get it. And Moses is trying to help them get it, and God is trying to help them get it. God's people were learning how to trust him, to become his people. And God desires that we trust and be still in, when we experience these unpleasant and difficult situations, these thoughts, these feelings, these sensations in the human journey, and then take an active step of sometimes leaning in to accept that as a part of our growth. Be still and know that I am God, the Lord says. It's a way of helping us sit with that that comes and listen and gain that training by God. Jesus said, come to me all you are weary, heavy laden, weighed down, take my yoke, learn my rhythms, learn from me. A great scripture to memorize maybe when you hear your children complaining is, hey, honey, 
Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only that, we enjoy, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and produce perseverance character and character hope. And this hope, sweetheart, does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. So just wait. McDonald's is going to be three exit away. <laughs> That's a good one to put into the old memory bank there. You know, this complaining, and we see it in the scripture here, it really is saying, you know what, I don't fully trust you, God. And they saw all these miracles along the way, and they're still craving things back when they were in slavery. And it led to wandering. It's as if God begins to test them and make sure they're truly trusting. And this wandering is defined as a space between where I started and where I want to be. It's a space between getting your education and starting a new job. It's a space between dating and marriage. It's a space between sometimes losing a job and getting a new job. It's a space between maybe being sick and then getting well. And it's in those in-between times that maybe we're stepping back and allowing God to teach us some things. Many times in my life, I know it's been hard to enjoy that ride. I just want to get to the destination. And we focus mostly on the destination, don't we? But sometimes it's about the ride. I remember when Emily was a toddler and Kim was pregnant with Benjamin. And we were headed to Florida. And all I could see in my mind's eye was the beach. We stopped at McDonald midway, you know, like Georgia. She said, I asked her about it the other day. She said, you made us get up at 4 a.m. And we just started going, going, going. We stopped for gas at McDonald's. And you said to us, come on, we've been here seven minutes and 37 seconds. We have to get back on the road. And my, I found my pregnant wife was crying. And then she chewed me out. I learned a lesson that day. You don't say that to a pregnant lady on a journey. And sometimes you need to enjoy the journey. I could have had some sacred time with my family on that journey, stepping back and enjoying that with my little toddler. I think God cares more about the journey and less about the destination. I do. I'm pretty sure in the spiritual life, wandering is sometimes part of the process. How about you? Do you prefer the destination or the journey? Here are six questions to help you find out. Have you ever cut through the gas station to avoid a red light? Have you ever, or do you regularly finish someone's sentences? Do you frequently check your watch? Oh, that was a great workout. Do you become annoyed when someone maybe writes a check at the checkout? When you're late, do you become irrationally upset? And here's the last question. Do you feel compelled to leave church during the closing song because you want to avoid the rush and you want to beat the Baptist to Bob Evans? <laughs> so if you answered yes, you might not particularly enjoy the journey. Maybe you're in a hurry. God seems to be more interested in what we are becoming than where we are going. In fact, God, I believe, does his best work in us while we travel. And as you read through the story, it seems that their wanderings are a part of the process and they don't get it. And have you ever noticed how many Bible people have spent many, many years in the in-between times and how often God leads them there? We experienced, we saw it a few weeks ago, Abraham waited 25 years before the promise of that son came. Joseph 
waited 22 years before his dream became true. Israel spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness between the captivity of Egypt. And a lot of times in the wilderness, we discover things about ourselves, maybe when we don't have for those times. Jesus uh, constantly, when he went into the wilderness, he learned a lot of things, and he went through a lot of temptation, and he overcame that. So these wandering people, they arrived to a city called Kadesh. And Kadesh is where God tested them. Look at Romans, or num- I keep saying Romans, <laughs> Numbers 13, 1 through 3. Look at this. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Cana, which I am giving to the Israelites. And from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And so the Lord, Lord's commanded Moses, and he sent them out to the desert of Paran. And all of them were leaders of the Israelites. And so these, these ten spies went on a reconnaissance mission to the promised land. And they checked it out. Or let me put that around my fat ear. My big fat cheek keeps pushing it off. So, so they come back with this report. And he even got specific. Moses wanted to find, find out from these spies that, uh, these things. What's the land like? Are the people there weak or strong? How many of them are there? How's the soil? How's the tree? Are the walls fortified? And bring back samples of fruit. And he tells them that. And so they gather all kinds of intel, and they report back to Moses and the leader. Let's look at the report. So they come back. Numbers 13, 26 through 33. They came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community of Kadesh, the desert of Paran. They reported to them, and the whole assembly showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there, they're very powerful. And their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of this land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people saw that there was, they were of great size. And we saw the Neophim there, the descendants of Anak. We seemed like grasshoppers in their own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Do you hear the fear in these leaders and these spies? You don't hear that with Caleb and Joshua. These leaders failed this test. They failed to believe that God could be their source of strength and help them take possession of that promised land. And this is the reason, my friends, that they spent 40 years wandering. They would rather wander until that unbelieving generation would die out. I thought about this this week. Why? What keeps us from wandering? What keeps us back having God help us in the next faithful step? You see, the example of the decisions you can make can have serious implication on you and those around you. And just like the decisions of the Israelites, they made that a Kadesh. And I think there's three things. There's always three things with preachers, aren't there? They look, and, and I think it can protect us from wandering. First of all, ask for directions. 
we don't stop and ask for directions anymore, do we? Um, I know a lot of ladies know that, man, I wish my husband did that like a couple decades ago because men would never do that. But now we trust our phones. We trust our phones. We trust MapQuest. We trust Waze. I listen to the voice of this British lady. Turn right. You know, and I turn right. I do. Go on the thoroughfare. She says these really funky names, but I, I follow her direction. If we could trust our phones like that, why can't we trust the one who's created us? who lives and moves and has his being within us. Caleb's voice rose up, and he called to all of them, and he said, we can take that land. He was in tune with the direction of God. God wants to have input in our lives. And when we experience that joyful obedience, we are able to take that next faithful step. This week I was asked by an individual, he said, what should I do? And I remember thinking about, should I give him my advice? Because I think I knew exactly what he should do. But I withheld that advice. And Tuesday morning, I was praying for him, and I I sent him a text because we were communicating by text. I said, I'll call him Fred. It's as if God told me to tell you to ask him about every detail of your life. And then may he order your steps about his will you. You see, God's not going to leave you in the dark. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, God's not going to let his beloved children in the dark about things and purpose and plan for life. He can specifically give us this GPS, the God positioning satellite. And those who belong to God, they do receive this gift. And you can't tell me anything different. Every stage of my, of our lives, we can ask God, what's your will? What's your will? Because we have those stages of life through the human journey. And God can give us some specifics in that and lead and guide us. And we have to be patient and trust. There are things that are God's will for your life. For example, God's will for your life is to have a Sabbath. God's will for your life is to be a truth, truth person of truth, to be a person of forgiveness. And God desires to give you guidance on each faithful step. I remember early 1991, I was struggling with what I wanted to do with my life. And at the time, shut up. What are you doing? <laughs> I was engaged to my, to my now wife, Kimberly, and I was wandering. I had no coordinates. And Kim sponsored me on this. And I was, I was coming here. I was helping her out with, with being a youth, uh, helping her youth leaders and babysitting the youth leaders' kids. And I broke off the engagement. And I was, I was just not in a good place. And she sponsored me on this, this retreat called Chrysalis. And it was the first college Chrysalis, and it was in Pickle, Ohio. And she said, do you still want to go on this thing? Because I sponsored you, and I'd done, I guess she did all this work behind the scenes. And I committed, and I went, I went, my fraternity brother and I signed up for that. And so... Kim and Pastor David and Pete and I quietly drove to Piqua, and she dropped me off. On this retreat, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Within two months, after digging into his words, uh, asking her to marry me again, (laughs) and just getting into the ministries here, I heard the call into ministry. And there's a ton more to that testimony, but here's the thing. 
In that wandering, God is trying his best to gently guide us to himself and to be in his will and to know what to do. And after that retreat, I changed my major. I had direction and guidance. I had vector and thrust behind that vector. When we belong to God, he says to us, and he reminds us, I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. And you can continue to finish that in your mind. It's for good. It's for good things. It's for purposeful things. It's for life and abundancy. It's for things of the promised land. And the second thing is, don't be driven by fear. Fear can make you wander. Fear can freeze you. I don't want to waste time. In that, these Israelites, they were afraid of heading north. They couldn't see how to overcome those giants, but God knew how to overcome those giants. And God desired to show his power to get them to that promised land. I love how Caleb saw it. Don't be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone and the Lord is with us. And he proclaimed that and claimed that. You know what? People are so driven by fears. And we, we should be ambassadors to help people get out of their fears and help them trust in the one true God. God is bigger than any giant you're facing not now or will ever face. And lastly, I think we need to remember, and you see the impact upon generations, we need to remember that there's others in the car with us. The decisions of those leaders affected the children. God tells them, you know what? Your children are going to wander for 40 years before they enter the promised land, and you're not going to enter. Instead of eliminating them, he turns them into nomads to continue to learn to trust. Our decisions don't just affect us. It affects others in the car, and we must make that correct turn at Kadesh. We must get into God's will, and as we live and move and have our being in that will, it frees us for joyful obedience, and those who are in the car, they know and trust in the Lord. And you know what? You, me, the families that are represented here, the households that are right here, you will leave a legacy of righteousness, of people who trust in the Lord.